0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Who, who who knows? I'm guessing we do know that that words spoken to us can hurt. Yeah. Yeah, who knows that actually words spoken to us can also bless us and actually change things in our lives. The old phrase go, doesn't it? It's it's Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's absolutely untrue and completely the opposite. But it is our culture today that thinks like we can be bulletproof from from words. Like we can be strong enough and we can just brush off words. And social media is filled with people telling the world how they do not care what people say to them. And it feels like the more that they shout that, the more you think, I know, I think you really are hurt by words. You're just trying to mask this over with um, even more violent protestation against it. Because we know that words hurt, And James here is really talking about the power of words they have in our lives So what I want to do this morning is just highlight five things from this passage that James says why we need to be careful Why we need to think about our words And then I want us to think how we can actually use our words to give life and blessing to those around us Because I think as a church it's our passion isn't it to be those who when they come amongst us people receive life from us and um, so five things going to start with and then how we how we grow in this the first thing is this the james highlights for us that actually i think many of us do want to be teachers he says this not many of you should become teachers my brothers and sisters for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness and i would guess if you're like me for many years you think well that's good i'm not a bible teacher so let daniel do that and he will get the strict judgment on the judgment day which is partly true i think this also applies to math teachers so if that's you <laughs> and i also think it applies to many of us in our day because i think actually many of us today do actually want to teach i mean i refer to social media again Social media is people being given a platform because they want to say something about how they think life should be done. Everyone has their own philosophy and teaching other people how they think. And this is how I did it. This is how the world should work. This is how, if you want to be successful, follow in my footsteps. So you may not be a Bible teacher with a microphone on a Sunday, but I think there is this deep desire lots of our culture today to have some form of platform to tell people and to teach people about their worldview. That makes sense? It's in us all. In fact, it's this kind of like everywhere we go people are looking for a way in which how can i express myself and teach about my truth and who i am we are always looking in our culture to and people better listen to us right that's the way it goes in our culture if you don't even listen to me then there's trouble so we all want to be teachers and we need to be aware that if we are going to try and help other people in their life we need to be very cautious in how we do that because there will be a greater strictness so that's the first thing i think many of us actually you do want to teach and tell other people how to advise <laughs> the second thing is this our words can steer our life look at this from verse three if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us we guide their whole bodies as well. So this idea that you see like the police horses walking around London and these huge animals that I guess could kind of jump over cars. Yet, if you put this little thing in their mouth and you hold it tight enough, the horse will go exactly where you want it to go. So our words, Can steer our lives James is saying and he says again another illustration look at the ships also though they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder so that wherever the will of the pilot directs so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things the idea is this that the the mouth is just a small member of the body and yet your mouth can direct your whole life Things that you said yes to, that maybe you are glad that you said yes to. Marrying someone. Some things you said yes to that you regret. Some things that you say no to. And you look back and you think, I'm so glad, or you actually really regret. Your words can actually steer your whole life so that you end up in places that you never imagined in the first place. So we need to be careful. We think, is this an innocent conversation that no one is really listening to? Those words can form you and change you over time to someone you may want to be or may not want to be. So that's the second thing, reasons why we need to be careful. Third thing is this, our words can actually destroy our lives. Look what he says here in verse five. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, and the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You think, I'm just having a conversation. No, you don't understand. There could be heaven and hell in that conversation. James is amping up the use of our words. So you think of this forest fire that starts and you think well you just have one little match one little spark one little stroke against that bit and suddenly you set back and there is acres and acres and acres of forest destroyed one word can destroy your own life sentences that you regret right things in a relationship that you wish why did i say that it can destroy things. How do marital relationships break down? Normally just by words that were said, and enough words, dripping words sometimes. And over time, things break down at a national level. <laughs> you remember Donald Trump? used to be president, like, it feels like a long time ago now. It's the only thing we thought about. And I was like, oh yeah, he was the president of the United States of America. Yeah, he was. And remember, like, nations were on tenterhooks because he had Twitter and you didn't know what he was gonna say, aware that like one sentence could derail international relations because words have power to destroy. So we need to be careful. Fourth thing is this, everyone that we meet is made in the image of God. Look at this in verse nine. He says with it with our language with our words with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers and sisters these things ought not to be so so that everyone that we come across whether they're our friend they are a mate at uni whether they're our boss whether someone who's serving us in Sainsbury's they are made in the image of God And as they are made in the image of God, they are held in the emotions of God. Their well-being and their flourishing is not something that God is cold to. Their flourishing is held emotionally in the heart of God. Whether they behave well or behave badly, whether they believe in God or not, everyone is made in the image of God and it is held in the emotions of God. So if you treat that person badly with your words, God feels it. I was thinking even today, like, how many words have I said in passing and just moved on, just been quick? I've got things to do and blah, blah, I'm not even looking in someone's eye and moving on. Thinking, have I grieved the heart of God because I didn't say kind words to that person? We treat people who are made in the image of, of God. And for, fifthly, this this is interesting our words can curse people or they can bless people that's what he says in verse 10 for from the same mouth come blessing and cursing I i think sometimes especially in our western context we think cursing We think witchcraft, kind of Harry Potter, that's things on the sidelines, on the margins of society, that's voodoo, that's something that the majority of people don't actually get involved in. And James says to his church, no, you can actually curse someone with your words. You can cut them down or you can build them up. He doesn't have a neutral category, which is interesting. There's an interesting middle path that you can go, which is neither. No, he says you can either curse or bless. To curse someone is to put words on somebody that actually wound them, that diminish them as a person, that will hold them back in their future. Who's had words that have been spoken to you, that have lived with you for many years? And you think, I have shaped who I think I am on the basis of those words that were spoken to me when I went to, uh, I I made an interesting transition in that I was sent to a a small prep school where only boys went as a kid. And um, I grew quite quickly, so I was quite big in this quite small school. So I was the captain of the football team, I was the captain of the rugby team. We were going to HDB at the time down the road here and there's a big youth group and I loved it. And then one summer when I was in year seven, we moved church and we moved house and I got moved to school and I went from this very small all boys prep school to the local comprehensive school where there were like 12, 1,300 kids and there were girls which was a bit of a shock and uh, I remember going from like the biggest kid in school there or thereabouts to like one of the smallest kid in school and with quite a lot of tough kids going to this school like it was a big big culture shock and I felt vulnerable honestly looking back I felt disorientated and obviously as like a year eight boy then I was like okay I've just got to put on a show that I know what's going on and I'm cool and I'm strong and I'm tough and etc anyway on that first morning the, the queen bee of my tutor group Georgia she was obviously curious in me. This kid who had come from who knows where on the wrong year, just dropped into her tutor group. She was like loud. And so she was asking me all these questions on, on the way to lunch. And after about four minutes, you know, and I was like trying to stay cool, but like desperately intimidated. After about four minutes, she just looked at me, kissed her teeth. and said, you are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks. (laughs) And then she walked off. So there was me like three hours into this huge secondary school trying to figure out and the words that were spoken over me were, you are so boring. And that that wounded me. In a moment where I was vulnerable it stuck with me and I think it probably looking back took me about eight or nine years to eventually shake that off because I lived with that I, I thought okay, I'm boring and I think I withdrew and withdrew and withdrew partly because of that word that was spoken over me wounds words can can curse us that held me back through my secondary school you will have had words I would imagine that were spoken over you things maybe your parents said to you you are so dot 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 lazy Annoying whatever it might be things you think Curses This is who you are Bosses those who are senior to you. This often comes from those who actually look up to When words come from them they land differently, right? They kind of sit in your heart differently and the opposite is true your words can bless people Dallas, Dallas Willard says that to bless someone is to project good into someone's life. As Christians, to bless someone is to project the good of God into someone else's life. And we have the ability with our words to actually speak life so that people flourish in their life, so that they relax into who they are, so that they grow in confidence in who they are, that they grow in their leadership and gifting, so that they become settled in their life. Our words have the ability to do that. And I know I've been on the receiving end of some of these words, words that have helped me. I remember once when I I was just starting to teach the Bible and I was in a Baptist church and I'd been asked one of my first ever sermons, I'd been given a a whole 30 minutes to to monologue to a group of people and I was like 18 years old and I was like desperately nervous. My leg was like shaking like this, I could hardly like keep it still. and uh, and this this lady came up to me at the end and she just said thank you so much for the way you um, expressed how was it she said thank you so much for um, teaching us how uh, salvation through faith works she said you have such a gift to explain truth and that helped me and so the next time I came to open up the Bible I actually came a little bit more eager you can guess like if you're criticized for something long enough does that actually help you do your job better or worse you do it worse right but what happens when you have authority figures in your life saying you are doing well I can see how you're progressing in that it helps you actually relax and grow, and actually do better in that right and so I grew in just another little step of confidence I was blessed I had a conversation just last week, me, AJ and Charles were, were chatting on Zoom and one of the things came up was about May and my May and my sabbatical and how I'm gonna use it and things like that. And at the very end of our conversation, kind of the whole thing was done. And uh, just, I don't know, I said some throwaway line about being tired and looking forward to some rest or something like that. And Charles just said something along the lines of, it's, it's well deserved. <laughs> that blessed my May. I'm going to live with those words through May. Because I know I've gone on holiday and I've actually had my holidays cursed by words and feeling guilty that I'm, I'm not doing things. And so to have Charles, who I respect, say to me, it's well deserved, has actually changed my whole May. I feel like I can actually maybe rest and stop for a while and come back in. And I'm hoping as I'm talking that Holy Spirit will remind you of moments where you've been blessed by words and maybe even moments where you've been cursed by words. Things that you are still holding on to, things that are actually holding you back as a person. C.S. Lewis says this. He says it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person, me in year eight, you can talk to may one day be a creature which, sorry, this doesn't actually apply to me. I'm not trying to say that I'm now the product of the end of this sentence. (laughs) If you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. He says this, all day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities that it is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all of our friendships, all of our loves, all of our play and all of our politics. There are no ordinary people and so the vision of Trinity Church London is that we are people who use our words to bless others and give them life so that when people are around us they leave us feeling more confident more able to take on life stronger in themselves more relaxed in themselves and more able to walk with Jesus as he calls them we're living in a city that is continually cursing each other in the most subtlest of ways isn't it in meetings belittling one another trying to get one up over colleagues so that they might get the promotion speaking ill behind their back continually criticizing and backbiting cursing people's personalities and work etc so that they might do well we're living in a city of unclean lips And we are to be a beacon who shine forth blessing and speak life into the darkness so that people might be lifted up by us. Paul says it like this. He says in Philippians 3, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So do you want to be a blessing unleasher around you? You probably know some people who, when you are around them, you feel better for being with them, right? Because you know blessings come from their mouth. Steve Oliver is one of those people. If you know Steve Oliver, if you don't, he helped start the church with us, with Heather, his wife, and they've gone back to South Africa. But I know that being with Steve is a blessed experience. He continually speaks blessing over me voicemails and texts and words sometimes over zoom and it strengthens me in my my calling we want to be that kind of person right so how do we do that i want to share just a few things how do we unleash blessing into other people's lives the first thing is this and this is foundational we need to find blessing for ourselves first because our words aren't independent from our own hearts. Sometimes you see people uh, saying sorry or confessing or like apologize for saying something. And, and you know, like it's a public confession or they say something like, you know, I'm really sorry I said this, it doesn't reflect who I am. But actually the Bible would say that what you say is the truest reflection of who you actually are because from your heart, your mouth speaks so what is in your heart will actually come out so the truth the 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 proverb that hurt people hurts people is actually true wounded people in their heart will wound other people those who have been cursed in their heart cursing will come out of their mouth and the converse is true those who are blessed and happy and peaceful and rested in their hearts will themselves give forth with their language blessing and peace and rest to other people those who are happy in their heart will pour forth happiness to other people those who know that they've been blessed will give blessing and so the first thing that we need to do is to find blessing for ourselves and my suggestion if you're not a Christian here my suggestion is that looking to the world and those around us only is not sufficient for our hearts needs we do need our parents blessings and those in authority over and those who are senior to us particularly those around us our friends we do need them to bless us it is a, it is an okay thing to seek that and want that But if we just leave our heart's search for blessing in this life at a horizontal level to the people around us, we will always feel slightly hurt and bruised because people themselves are up and down and fickle. If you struggle with that, just reflect on your own life and your own emotional life and how up and down you are and you will know that you can't seek that from someone else because they're going through their own journey of life. And it will never be enough for your heart because your heart is made for God. Our heart has a hole in it that is to be filled by the blessing of God himself. And the good news is that God is a blesser so that when we turn to God he is not fickle and changing all the time but he is unchanging so that when you turn to God you will always find this overflow of blessing that will cascade over your life and fill your heart and leave you happy and blessed if you will turn to him God sent his son the word of God Jesus Christ into the world so that we might be blessed And jesus christ represents this walking talking god who blesses everywhere he goes he walks through as it were a spiritual desert speaking words of life so that oases just blossom wherever he goes and lives are changed even as he goes to the cross where he is crucified so that he might reverse the curse that was given in genesis 3 what does he do he blesses with his lips you think, I mean, how tempted would you be to curse Judas or just to speak ill of him? But he never does. As he stands before Pilate, how he could have spoken about his own people who were betraying him, but he never does. Led like a lamb to the slaughter, silently he went. And even as he was being crucified on that tree, what comes out of his mouth? Blessing he pours forth prayer for those who are killing him in that moment father forgive them would you bless them would you look over this sin in their life he continues to bless them even as he hangs on his tree he is blessing his mom He is providing for his mum, asking John, look after my mum as I die. He is providing blessing and reassurance for those around him, even as he is being crucified. Never once does he curse his God. And he is crucified for us, and then is resurrected on the third day to a brand new life, to reverse all of the curse. Hallelujah. This is what Galatians 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the Lord by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and I, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith so that now as we come to this Jesus we can receive his blessings and as he rose from the dead never to die again what does he do with his friends he gathers them for breakfast and he blesses them he speaks peace over to them imagine how nervous you would be like the person you have just like not just sent like a nasty whatsapp about them behind their back like you actually planned their death and then left them What does Jesus do? He comes back and he says, peace be with you. And he speaks forgiveness over their life. He blesses them with his words. Why? Because his heart was full of blessing. And even at this very moment, Jesus Christ, we told, is at the right hand of the Father blessing you. He is using his words right now to intercede for your life. Covering over your sin so that when you do fall when you do sin when you do fail even when you do use your words for wrong jesus christ as you are found in him is pointing out his death to the father and saying cry father i have covered those sins my death has covered those sins he is righteous in my son she is righteous before you she is covered by our work father he continues to bless you with prayer right now so you can go to him. So the first thing we need to do is go to God and allow our hearts to be filled with all the blessings that he has so that you might bless others. The second thing we need to do is this, and this is gonna take a longer process and, and Toria pointed out we've got a space next week if you're coming to the weekend away, where actually some of you might want to deal with some of the words that have been spoken over you that have actually cursed you in your life even words that maybe were meant for good from that person's heart have actually acted like a curse those areas in your life that you know when someone raises that person or that thing or that calling or that trip or whatever it is i know i can't cope and i shut down or i get angry it's possible that you are still living in the ramifications of words that were said over you. And the second thing that we need to do is to be aware of those things and renounce them and repent for how they have shaped you sinfully. One of the things that I had to do in my 20s, not, not just because of Georgia, um, she's well forgiven. She was 13 and full of hormones and, you know, teenagers be teenagers. Um... I, I, I had to renounce the lie that I was a boring person, that I was uninteresting to other people because I had gone silent. I, 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 I don't know whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert now, I'm really not sure. But during my early twenties, you would have met me said, that guy's an introvert. Like he's super quiet and then he preaches every now and again and he talks loads and then he's quiet again. That was partly me dealing with feeling like I'm an uninteresting person. And so I had to renounce that and remind myself of the truth that God himself actually is interested in me. So much so that God counts the hairs on my head. So much so that he pays attention to every day of my life and I can talk to him about the smallest of things and he is fascinated and interested and wants to hear about my life and that took years of recalibration in my life to get over the fact that no you're not an uninteresting person you're loved by god he pays attention to you for some of you you're going to need to renounce some of the lies that have been spoken over you limitations that have been put over you A shape of personality that you think you're that because someone said that or it came out in a questionnaire or something and you just think this is just who I am now I'm not talking about you just trying to be you and doing your thing I'm talking about us going to God and him telling you who you will be and for some of us actually shaking off chronic self-consciousness because some of us are crippled by always thinking about ourselves it's a curse because we're always trying to think who am i what am i how am i coming across in this moment because words have been spoken that are holding us back and actually there are things that we could do if we were free just to be ourselves before god and others that would lead to life and fruit and blessing to others but we can't get there because we've been cursed so i'm praying that the holy spirit today and this week would just lift some things and, and my ask is that if, if there are things and phrases that come to your mind, things, people, situations, like, I, I'm so keen that you talk to someone about that. Talk to, talk to me, talk to Toria, talk, to talk to the person next to you. It doesn't have to be right now, it can be, but deal with them. Because there might just be amazing freedom on the other side of that. And then we need to repent Because sometimes, for me, I didn't say things that I should have said in conversations. I didn't say things uh, in debates that I should have done because I was quiet and on the fringes and uninteresting and my words didn't count. And I've had to repent of that. I've had to grow in actually just talking and contributing to conversation because my words matter and there's been a process of repentance, of going through that. So the other thing we have to do is is repent of how those things have shaped us sinfully. And then fourthly, we actually need to speak words. And for some of you, this is quite easy. And we all know who you are and we love you and bless you. (laughs) For some of you, this is actually quite difficult. It's difficult for me. I've had to grow in the practice of blessing others with my words, using my words to speak life into other people. Because here's the thing, just because you don't swear, or don't actually invoke a curse over somebody, doesn't mean that you are doing well with your language. Because I know I've been in conversations, particularly with people that I look up to, when there's been silence from them and their silence has acted like a curse in my life. We're told in 2 Samuel 1 that the heavens were shut up, that the word of the Lord was rare in that time. The implication is things weren't going well. God is a talkative God. You know, if you've looked at someone and you know like the normal appropriate thing would be a thank you or a well done or a pat on the back and it never comes, that can wound you, right? And so we need to be those who actually practice opening up our mouth to say words, blessings. Some cultures are better at this than others. And it's very simple. What it means is just noticing people. Stop thinking about your own stuff for a second and look at other people and notice them. Notice what they're going through. Notice how they're doing. Notice their circumstances in their life. Notice how they're persevering, how they're loving, how they're blessing others. And you can simply say those things back to them. Do you know that could bless someone and change someone's not just week but life? By saying, I've seen this in you. It means celebrating people verbally and saying, maybe not just a hands emoji on WhatsApp, but actually giving them a phone call for two minutes and just saying, I'm so chuffed for you and excited for what this means for you. It might be verbally saying, I really hope that you get that job. I'm really praying for that house. I'm really trusting God. So you tell people what you are actually praying. Mandy does this. I know Mandy prays for me, and then she also tells me sometimes what she's praying for me. And it means the world to me to know not just that Mandy's praying, but she uses her words to tell me what she's praying for me. It shapes me, because I'm thinking about the things that Mandy's praying for me. I just think, oh, I better better start living like that then. Yeah, okay, if she's praying for them. It shapes me, but I'm actually like start growing into the things that when people project good into your life so can i ask us to be a chatty church is that all right introverts are like no (laughs) extroverts are like done (laughs) already don't worry about that i've got it covered for 10 other introverts it doesn't have to be much it really doesn't have to be much how am i doing for time let me just ask you if you're an older person amongst us as well speaking to you, you can self-categorise. Craig, you're in the grey zone. You're laughing there, but... (laughs) I could see a wave of insecurity go over Craig, you'd be like, is this me or is this not me? I don't know. Um, So, I wanna... If you're an older person amongst us, or if you're older than someone else, which is a lot of us, Your words really, really, really matter. And I think they matter more than you probably realise. They count. Like one or two words from you as an older person can actually strengthen a younger person, like you, you may not ever know in your lifetime. So you might look at young people and say, ah, oh, they're doing their young thing, I'm out. No, no, no. Like you might feel fuddy-duddy, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Young people need love and care and interest and words spoken into their life by those who have gone before them. I know, to pick on John and Jackie, when we were going through uh, lockdown, and you know, we, we hit lockdown when we were like 16 months old as a church, like barely figuring out like, you know, how to do this stuff. And it was a difficult time. I mean, I, there was a one point where 50% of our church life was online. And when your whole thing is, people and community, it's not a very good place to be. And John and Jackie sent me a text saying a lot of other stuff, but the one thing that I remember was, we're with you. And it changed me. I thought, if John and Jackie are with me, I could do this. I was like, okay, I I can do this. And Pume calls me Rev, which I know is like cheeky, but... (laughs) I don't know how he means it, but I take it as a blessing. He's <laughs> like, you're the most unreverent person that I've met, but you're a Rev, all right, fair enough. Like, But Mpume is a man that I respect and I, and I honor, and I'm just glad that he's in my life. And so when he calls me Rev, I'm strengthened. I'm like, something happens in my heart. Andrew calls me my pastor i like, I'm trying to go for bishop, but it won't go there. (laughs) He's like, no, you're definitely not a bishop material. And what I'm not doing here is saying that you all have to now call me pastor. I'm just Daniel. But older words, words from older people will, will change. So can I ask you, if you know you've got, if you've been somewhere in life where someone else hasn't, say some words to someone. Even if it's just, I see that you're persevering and you are doing so well, it can change things, right? It blesses, it can wash away cursing in people's lives. So we want to grow in this. Two more things and then I think we're going to close. Um, We need to be very quick to say sorry, when we know that words have not been helpful. Just go back on them and say, really sorry. I had this once in a, in a conference, in fact, and uh, I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but here I am talking about it. Someone asked, and it was like, we just started the church, and someone asked, how's it going? And uh, you may or may not get this because you may or may not care, but church pastors sometimes care how big their churches are <laughs> because they're insecure. And uh, they ask, so how many people do you have at your church? assuming like a big church is a good church and a small church is a bad church that's the way the basic programming goes it's completely wrong but that's how our insecurity goes and so i gave a number that was somewhat true but somewhat inflated (laughs) do you know those ones like can i find a gray zone here where i can stretch it to kind of make out that we you know we're bigger than we actually are and so i kind of stretched it in my brain and gave a number, and you've got a split second, right? So you're kind of working on, so in that moment, what's in your heart comes out. And I realized, oh, here we go. I'm insecure, trying to prove myself that I'm a good pastor. And so I carried on and we carried on worshiping, and yet I couldn't worship, because I basically felt like I was lying to this guy. And not only that, he was himself church planting with a smaller church, and I think there was a weight that I put on him because i had given a figure that was bigger than what he was dealing with. And he was dealing with his own insecurity. So it can be a curse, right? Hey, look, look how well I'm doing. And it was a lie. So during worship, I had to do the walk of shame. <laughs> and I was like, did not want to do this. And it was honestly humiliating. I was embarrassed, but I just had to say to him, look, you asked me how many people in my church, it's not right. And I said, "Look, this is this is far more accurate as to where we are right now." I said, and he's like, "Oh, okay, fine, (laughs) thanks very much." I was like, Well, you can't just like cry or say thank you or something?" No, it's like, "Okay, thanks." But I knew I had to undo that. I knew I had to go back on those words that I'd said. That so we need to be quick to say sorry, and then we need to need to lastly just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to help us, because someone's going to start feeling awkward. You know, you like. I don't think I've blessed many people with my words before. Just ask the Holy Spirit.